Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. We welcome a wide and exceptionally impressive array of guests, business leaders, HR leaders, academics, practitioners, consultants, and authors to talk about the most timely, relevant, and challenging issues that are influencing the workplace today. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed. Welcome to the show. We have a great show today, Trish. We are going to be talking with Jason Leoy. He's the Chief People Officer at Dawn Foods. And we're going to be talking all about uh, women in leadership, which is really important given the date we're recording this. It's actually International Women's Day as, as the day we record this show. Perfect day. Uh, also the importance of inclusivity in the workplace and ex- leadership accessibility, culture, and maybe even a little bit of kind of navigating through the last couple of years of some really trying circumstances, particularly for an organization like Don Foods, who's unlike many of the folks who listen to the show and we talk to Trish. They haven't been remote for two years, right? That's not the business, right? So uh, I think it'll be good to get into some of that as well. But let me let me go ahead and intro Jason. Welcome to the show. Jason uh, is responsible for developing global team members for long-term success at Dawn Foods. Jason helps to build Dawn's culture into one that attracts, motivates, and retains talented employees. As the HR leader at Dawn since 2014, Jason's previous roles included global HR leadership and development experiences. He was promoted to chief people officer from within Don because of his leadership style and his work ethic. Uh, Jason, a welcome to the show. How are you? Great, great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, to have a conversation today. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, maybe we'll start, Jason, with uh, maybe just give us a 90 second, you know, backgrounder on Dawn Foods, because it's a really interesting company, does really a lot of cool things I think people will will resonate with, but they may not know Dawn Foods as a brand because it's primarily a kind of a business to business kind of provider. Correct. Yeah, I think uh, it goes without saying, I mean, everyone has tasted our products at some point, especially in North America. I mean, um, from Punch Keys last week on Fat Tuesday to donuts at your local donut shop, the likelihood of you um, ingesting one of our pro- products is is pretty high. So you've got a connection to Dawn. We make sweet baked goods. Uh, we're a, a global leader in bakery manufacturing and ingredients distribution. Um, and we lead the industry uh, across the world uh, in this space. And uh, our primary customers are artisanal bakers or corner bakers, especially here in North America. Um, and then we also do, uh, we supply small medium manufacturers and then other big box uh, retailers like Sam's and so forth, um, uh, their ingredients to make, uh, to make uh, donuts and brownies and cookies and their commissaries. So you've had our products, um, especially if you've, if you've, uh, uh, you know, if you've ingested a donut, the likelihood is it's ours. Jason, uh, one of the reasons why we uh, we're excited to have you on the show today, specifically, and again, it's 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 timely, right? It just so happens today is uh, International Women's Day, as the day we record this. It'll it'll run a little bit later than that, but uh, one of the kind of the kind of interesting projects or programs that you've instituted at uh, at Dawn is uh, a women's leadership development program, very intentional. I'd love for you right. maybe to tell us a little bit about that program and maybe start with like. Hey, why, why'd we even do this in the first place, right? Because it, it probably didn't always exist. <laughs> and uh, you and the team there decided this is something that's important to Don. So maybe we'll start there and like why this initiative was important to, to you and, and the team at Don. 
Yeah, so it really, uh, it's kind of interesting. So as we've developed our DEI strategy over the past several years, um, you know, we've had starts and stops on certain programs, but, uh, you know, one thing we've, we've made a very conscious effort to do, especially since I became the chief people officer, is to put programs in place that are sustainable and repeatable. And in 2021, we launched our Women's Leadership Development Program, and it's really focused on building and strengthening our talent pipeline uh, for key high potential women. Because as we went through our succession planning process, we identified a bunch of roles um, that have either ready now or ready in the, you know, in the short term uh, successors that were women. So it, made a nat- it was natural to really identify a program to help develop those individuals because they're key pipeline, uh, develop, uh, key pipeline talent into key roles. Um, and we made a two-year commitment, uh, obviously for the first uh, cohort, we have 11 women in our first cohort. And then we have obviously 11 um, sponsors that are paired up with those women. And we've also partnered up with externally with Linkage uh, to really help uh, facilitate some of our key programming and key, uh, key training for these uh, individuals. And the, the program is really showing a, a lot of solid results already, both anecdotally and quantitatively. Now, when I say anecdotally, um, as you mentioned during my intro, I've been with Dawn for almost eight years. And as I came up through the ranks, you know, a lot of the folks that actually are in this program, you know, we would go to either, whether it's sales, uh, 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 sales um, uh, events or other types of events, and we would, uh, we would also we would just not complain, but we would you know commiserate about how we didn't have formal programs and formal other types of activities that we could uh, that we could participate in uh, formally from a training perspective and leadership development perspective. But you know it's been great to actually get into this role and help create this program and identify those people that I've been working with for so long, and they they have all acknowledged. Actually, someone even last week came and said, you know what. I just wanted to say thank you to you and to Carrie and the leadership team for really investing in this program. And she got emotional uh, and, and really saying that this really has made a difference in my life. And my, 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 my daughters, you know, now see me in this program and the things that I'm doing. And it's really given me the, the confidence that I've needed uh, to really strive for my goals. Um, so that's really uh, what we're really excited about in the program. You know, thank you for sharing the background um, on that. One of the things that kind of strikes me is you, you mentioned that you have 11 women who are either ready now or ready in the very short term. Um, is there a set amount of time for the cohorts or does that really depend on the individuals and potentially the, the jobs they would be going into? Yeah, so the way we've, the way we've developed Actually, our DEI strategy and DEI and program in general, as well as well as this program, it's not meant to have a this start. Obviously, it has a start, but we're not going to just end it on a particular day. Uh, we want to evolve with with these women, and then also the second cohort. You know, because the idea is right now the first cohort, those folks are identified for like the senior leadership roles uh, from a succession perspective. So the next round uh, will be folks that are identified as successors for then those folks, right? So then they will be sponsors and, and so on and so on and so on. So it's going to actually evolve and be organic and keep growing and growing and growing um, like a garden uh, and then also morph into other things, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, entry level talent uh, development programs or, 
you know, uh, people of color development programs, so on and so forth. So it's going to continue to evolve, uh, and there's not a stop. And obviously, to start, there's not a stop point because we want this to be part of our DNA. And the beauty of what we've been doing through our DNI strategy, it's part of our language um, every day. I mean, I'm in leadership leadership meetings or board meetings, and the language that we're using is much different than it was three years ago. They're, they're actually using the word succession. They're using the words, my, my ready now successor. And they're also talking about the development of their people. And it's really not an HR program. It's part of our culture and it's part of our dialogue and DNA. I hope I answered your question. You did. Thank you so much. Well, re- making those issues and those conversations part of like the normal business flow and the business operations is really key and having leaders, right? Convin- not, maybe not convincing is not the right word, but encouraging maybe is a better word, encouraging your operational leaders and the folks who are uh, uh, sponsoring these, uh, these uh, women leadership candidates, if you will, um, having them kind of embed that into their operations and, and thinking about, hey, next steps and, and where, my, where my next uh, group of leaders coming from is pretty important too, I'd imagine. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, that's the success in my role is that when I have my leadership um, talking the language that I would speak, um, at the same time, it's one of those things like, I'm not trying to work myself out of a job, but (laughs) naturally want your leadership to really embrace and absorb that as a priority, you know, people are at the top of our of our circle of excellence. That's our kind of our internal moniker um, around our values and um, around what we stand for as a as a as a company. But if they're using that language and they're talking about it, then that makes my job even better. Because I can go think about the next best thing. I don't have to fight for what they should be talking about. So that's really that's really a key part of our success over the last several years. Well, I think that's important when you're talking about the language too, because, you know, for many years when I was a practitioner, we were always told not to use some of the, I'll do air quotes, HR language, right? We were kind of, you know, 20 years ago told, speak in the language of business as if the people language that you're mentioning was not part of it. So I'm glad to see finally that shift has happened to where that is the language of business, being caring and thinking about people's development thinking about the succession plans that you have in your organization and also your strategies around DE&I. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the skills or competency um, requirements that you're trying to develop? Is this heavily focused on soft skills to develop your leadership? Is it focused on more technical skills or is it a nice blend? Um, I view it as a more, it's more heavily uh, geared toward the non-technical because the technical side of things, the way I look at it is you're expected to already have that as a, you know, entry ticket. You're in your role because you understand P&Ls, you understand Mm -hmm. finance, or you understand IT, or you understand marketing. So we're not looking to enhance necessarily your technical skills unless that's required for your next step, right? So there might be some scenarios, and we actually have a couple of these women in our in our leadership development program who were in finance, and now they're in supply chain. So yeah, we might need to gear some technical training for them if necessary, but most of the training um, or development centers around building up themselves, you know, and building up their capabilities uh, as a leader. Um, you know, it's not to say that you know, we're not focused on public speaking or anything like that necessarily, unless it's a necessary skill to develop. It's building up their capability as a leader, uh, both 
um, both so that they can exude that leadership, but also that they're confident in who they are as a leader. Um, and that's what we're focused on primarily in this program. Um, but again, it's not to say we won't focus on technical skills if necessary, but that's identified through the process of what they want to do long-term. Jason, have you guys um, partnered with anybody or are you kind of doing this in-house, like the actual development of the program itself, the execution and the, and the kind of the, inter, you know, the, the activities that the, the women in leadership uh, uh, folks are doing? Are you, are you guys doing that in-house or are you working with anybody? No, we're working with Linkage. Um, they're a top 20 train company uh, and they've got over 30 years of experience in this space. Um, and we actually, uh, uh, you know, we kind of kicked it off at their women in leadership conference down in Florida um, last year. Uh, so we, they're a great partner um, and they, uh, they know this space through and through. Uh, we will then start to develop our own internal programs as offshoots uh, to this, but they, we look at them as our primary partner in this particular program. And then we were also partnered with LinkedIn to develop LinkedIn learning to provide learning paths for our broader organization in general. Um, but that's, that's a separate, uh, a separate uh, uh, platform, but it, we use that as part of this program as well. You know, it's, it sounds like you're really making sure that this is adaptable. Um, and, and like you mentioned before, like it would could morph into something new. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about something you mentioned early on, which was that one of your, your leaders currently in the program came back and was really grateful and saying it's, it's really helped her, but it's also helping her daughter. Can you talk about maybe some of the both planned and unplanned consequences of empowering other women or other girls and how you're seeing that play out? Yeah, I think well, it's a little bit early to really quantify that more broadly, but I would look at it as a broader impact in the organization in general. You know, when we launched the Women in Leadership Program, then we launched uh, LinkedIn. I mean, I'll use this as an example, um, specifically to your question. Hopefully I answer it uh, using this example. But, you know, I, I received uh, two emails uh, from two women in, that are over in Europe. I... I might have met them at some point in my career here, uh, but they, their names didn't resonate with me. But they are both 10 plus, 15 plus year um, uh, team members uh, of Dawn. And they both said, you know, through all these activities and LinkedIn learning, this is a specific response to my launch of LinkedIn learning email. They said, we wanna make sure we under you understand how impactful a lot of this activity is because it feels like we have a voice now, whereas we didn't before. And it's not necessarily a voice for, you know, voicing issues. It's a voice that I can develop who I am at dawn and really become, become who I want to be at dawn. So that's, that's an anecdote. That's one example that I, I've, I've seen people get a voice uh, or get more empowered um, and additionally, you know, in speaking to people out, outside of Dawn, talking about what we're doing uh, for both women and uh, but also our inclusion activities in general. Uh, when we talk about, uh, I could talk about our, we have an I Am campaign uh, that we launched last year where I am, and then you talk about who you are as a person. Uh, but when we talk about the leadership program and other our other inclusion activities that we have uh, uh, engaged in over the last year, people outside are like, how can I join? Because it sounds like you're taking the whole person 
uh, into account when you're talking about development versus, you know, really siloing people as mm -hmm. as assets as opposed to people. You know, that's one thing that um, that we like to say is that you know, hey, you know, assets don't have dreams; people have dreams, and and that's what we want to make sure that we you know, embrace and nurture at dawn. I'm, I'm not trying to get all touchy-feely about it because that's not me in general. I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm the people officer and I, I embrace people and I want to talk about development and so on and so forth. But we really want to have people fulfill their dreams at work here at dawn. Uh, and then also, we want to make sure that people also have the ability to, to be introspective about who they are. We have another example of somebody who's one of our top talents at Dawn, who through a lot of the, probably a lot of the active, a lot of the events over the last couple of years, but also the space that's been created at Dawn for them to say, you know what, this is not, this is not who I am. They actually wanted to go more into the, um, you know, the, the social work or the social services space. And they, they told us this about a year ago and, you know, we didn't say goodbye to them because uh, they wanted to go, you know, get a degree and in this in this uh, in this new line of work, and it has nothing to do with Dawn. Uh, but they didn't want to leave Dawn because they still wanted to have income, and you know, but but they want to be transparent that that, you know, hey, I don't want to be here long term because I want to go pursue my other dream. Well, we helped facilitate that, you know, and now we might have lost them as a as a team member, but we're helping them fulfill their dreams as a person, right? And hopefully we can boomerang them back to Dawn. Uh, but you know what? They're going to go make good and do great things and wonderful things out in the community. And you know what? We're happy for them. Uh, but that's it. I hope I answered your question. You did. And I want to just thank you, especially for the last example, because I think that a lot of times it's hard to quantify when you were talking about how, you know, you're not really focused on the program as a touchy feely program, even though it might have some of those impacts and results. But and I think a lot of organizations feel that way. We don't want to just focus all on the soft things about the people side of our business. But what you're describing at the end is something that I think does build long-term commitment to Dawn from a community perspective. That employee, I'm sure, will not only continue to tell people to work for Dawn, right, that it's a great place to be, that they supported her through this sort of evolution of her own journey, and you never know too, someone like that actually may boomerang back, right? So I think that when you're talking about creating this program and that it really is a change in culture, maybe some listeners are kind of thinking cynically like, oh, sure it is. I think that's a good example of how it's not. It really is changing the culture if you're able to think beyond kind of the immediate results. So kudos to you. And thank you for sharing that, that more than answered that question. Oh, thank you. I, I like kind of discussing these topics in that kind of with through those personal stories a little bit through those um, those those uh, examples of the impacts that they can have on people, real people in their real lives. And certainly in that in that example, maybe that employee would come back someday or if not, if nothing else, they'd be a great advocate for uh, Don as a place to work in, in and around, you know, their friends and family and community. And the, that's that's worth something too, right? If we're we're adding up like the 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 benefits and in, in, uh, of these types of programs. 
Uh, Jason, there was one other thing, and we could talk about this for a while longer, but I, I want to make sure we get to another topic that uh, we'd love to touch uh, on with you. And it's maybe two and topics. I'm going to try to mash them into one and see if we can make that work. But you've written a, 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 a decent amount about leadership uh, from the lens of accessibility. And I just, I read one of your pieces about how leaders um, not only need to be more accessible to, to their people, but some examples of how they can go about doing that. And, uh, and I'd like to sort of maybe tee that up in the context of the last couple of years, right, which have been extremely trying for every organization and every person and every family, right, uh, in this country. There's no doubt about it. And we've tried, and Trish and I have tried hard not to make every show in the last two years be, let's talk about the pandemic, right? Uh, but I think that, I think these two kind of topics kind of fit together nicely because, um people have had a really tough go of it, right? Most people over the last couple of years, both leaders, managers, and just, you know, every, every employee as well. But then the notion of how leaders um, can stand up and be more available, more accessible and be and, and support their employees better. That's an awful question. I've been doing this podcast for 14 years. That may be the worst question I've ever asked. I didn't really ask a question. I just made a speech, but uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you, Jason. Maybe touch on some of that, how you're thinking about leadership and how you're trying to work with the team at Dawn to, to make sure leaders are there for their people, especially when they need it. Yeah, and I think it goes without saying that leadership accessibility can't be uh, the way I'm measuring it especially now, uh, but really what I've always measured it on. And if you if we talk longer, you can, you'll obviously get a, a sense from me. I'm very transparent, very direct. I'm very, you know, what you see is what you get. I mean, part of that's my, I grew up in Jersey and I'm Italian. So that's just what I'm going to interrupt you. What, what exit? 135 off, the, 135 off the parkway. I'm 130. How about that? Oh there my goodness. Go. <laughs> we did not even go. know that. All right. Well, <laughs> That only a Jersey guy, only Jersey, only Jersey people get that. So it's I feel good. like the odd person out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But anyway, uh, I digress. But anyway, so you know, it goes without saying that access, uh, leadership accessibility has to has to be coupled with or accompanied by leadership vulnerability. And what I mean by that is that people have to be able to see you as as a again. I hate to keep using this word, but a person as opposed to a stoic figure, right? I think very often, um, especially in the past, uh, before the pre-pandemic, people looked at leaders as, you know, figures, figureheads, you know, people that they couldn't go talk to, um, you know, the offices that you don't want to go in. In fact, I, I know that I, I mean, I'm not going to say the employer, but I was told very directly, don't go talk to X, Y, Z, unless you talk to these three people first. Yes. I'm like, oh yeah, hi. he's a person. I just wanted to say hello, you know, but anyway, be that as it may, vulnerability and accessibility need to go hand in hand. And uh, the one thing we've tried to do, especially in the last couple of years through the pandemic, uh, through our town halls and through um, other communication mediums that we've had is convey the, the message that, you know, we understand what you're going through because you know what? So am I. And here's what I've experienced. You know, very early on in the, in the pandemic, I had a, an experience where one of my where my one of my team uh, got impacted by the virus. You know, and uh, she probably had hit every risk factor. And this is before we knew anything about it, really. So I was troubled, right? And myself and the CEO 
we're still coming in the office and she saw me in the coffee room and she basically said, Hey, everything. Okay. You know? And I said, you know what? No, here's what's going on. And I shared that with her, but the next week we had a town hall. And again, this is very early on, really, very early on in the pandemic. And I told her, I said, listen, I'm going to share the conversation that you and I had. Um, and I hope you're okay with that because I want people to know that your leaders are here for you to talk to. I'm going to give them an example of the impact that you had on me just by asking me, are you okay? Um, and I shared that with, with the team. And you know, the feedback that we got was very positive. It's like, wow, it's okay to not be okay. So that's one way of being accessible through being vulnerable, right? And, um, and then I also would say uh, from an accessibility perspective, I'm used to walking around you know, and shaking people's hands and talking and kissing babies. Well, not babies. We don't have babies in the office. Not yet. Who knows how, how the workplace is going to evolve. <laughs> yeah. You never know. But, um, you know, I'm used to that. I'm used to that contact, that face-to-face contact. But what we've been doing is, you know, setting up meetings with the people team, the HR team globally. You know, I've got 40 one-on-ones scheduled for the next several weeks just to say, just to connect. And some of those, some of those conversations I've had um, over the last couple couple months have been very powerful, and people have shared, you know, the things they've struggled with and and things that they've gone through. But that's a connection point, so that's being accessible. And our 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 leadership team, our our Dawn leadership team, has done the same thing. Our CEO does the same thing. She reaches out down the organization and you know talks to people. Now, the fact that things are opening up more. You know, I just got back from Dallas last week. Um, actually, we had to reschedule this podcast because of that, uh, because of the right, ice storms. Right. But you know what? I got I got to get out with customers. I got to get out with team members. I got to see people that I haven't seen in two years. And it was great because we actually talked about a lot of the town halls that we've been on. And they talked about the topics we've talked about. And that obviously made an impact. So therefore, the vulnerability led to accessibility, which led to, led to engagement for the team member. And, you know, our CEO was down in Miami um, last week and she did the same thing. She got out with, with team members and drivers and so, uh, so on and so forth. So that's, that was awesome to see her post that. We have an internal Facebook page called Workplace. So we start to post stuff out there and that actually engages people um, uh, across the world of Dawn. Like, man, they're getting out there again and it builds positivity. Hope I answered your question. Uh, hope I answered your question. You, I think you did. I, I have a comment and a follow-up question for you, if that's okay. The comment is, it's interesting to me, because we're just now getting to know each other, and, and you've mentioned a little bit that you're our more direct style, right? The way you approach things. And what I find really fascinating, though, is that the behaviors you demonstrate and the examples you give even personally are very warm, so I don't know if you even realize that, but it, it comes across as a very warm, approachable style. And my question is going to be when you were, were talking, obviously this is a podcast, but Steve and I were like vigorously nodding our heads to some of the things I said, or that you said that were a little bit triggering, which were, you know, leaders kind of on pedestals, leaders, um, you know, when maybe when we were coming up in our careers where you had to have an appointment or maybe you had to talk to two or three people. I used to have a a boss where I had to have a script that I went over with my boss before I could go talk to the CHRO. Um, So we're all kind of nodding like, yes, that was a thing. My question is for 
people who are listening, who might've grown up in that same fashion, who are now working with leaders who also grew up in that same type of environment, how do you help them start changing that? Because it sounds like you're, you're making that shift in your own style to be more vulnerable. What if they're not quite there yet? Do you have any advice to those HR professionals? Yeah, I would say, you know, and again, not to be a, it's a very long answer to this question, you know, you know, if, but to be cognizant of time, I would say, start to model what you, what you want to have in your organization and find the opportunities that are easy. You know, I, I talked about several hard things, you know, that to talk about, but again, that goes, it depends on who you are. You know, I have no problem talking about hard stuff and being very transparent about it and everything that I got going on in my life and things that I struggle with and things that my kids struggle with. I'll talk about it all day long. Some people aren't comfortable with that and that's okay, but they're comfortable talking about other things, you know, so find those opportunities, find those avenues that people can be vulnerable and talk about those things on air, so to speak, you know, I'm air quoting here, but on air, you know, where you can, you, you can take those opportunities to talk about those things that are personal uh, to share. Now, it may be as easy as, hey, what are the things that you binge watched the last two years? And create a forum where people can talk about that organizationally. And that would then, you know, kind of break down the, you know, the, 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 the image of someone being this stoic leader. Well, they binge watched uh, Tiger King. Kind of breaks down your perspective on somebody, but no, but anyway, <laughs> but it's like you know, hey, it's like what what makes you tick, right? So what makes you tick? Um, and it's the kind of those common icebreakers. You know, find those things that you can talk about in an organization to create that culture or that environment where people feel more comfortable about being who they are, right? Um, you know, it'd be very difficult to kind of take some of the steps that we've taken as an organization, uh, but. You know, some of those steps we've taken as an organization have been very, very powerful and very, very impactful. And you might be surprised on people's willingness to do it because usually get over that initial fear first. And sometimes taking those big steps takes one little step and then boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. Or find that a key influencer in the leadership team. Find that key key person in the leadership team that might have a bigger voice uh, that can make that that can make that impact on the other leadership. Uh, of the organization to be more open. You know, you know what I'm saying? I love that. I, I think too, in my career, I had some of those experiences too, where I worked in professional services and it was a, a partner level person, again, bringing in millions of dollars of business. And I was very junior in my career and it was realizing, he said, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. I put on my pants the same way you do. You know, it's like, I had never thought of it that way. And so maybe it's even, if you know of, examples where there's a leader who's connected with a more junior employee and has built that bond, maybe putting their story forward if they're comfortable with that, I think too. Yeah, just to, right. Yeah. Yep. Great yeah, suggestions. Think, Thank you. I think the one thing that stuck out to me was when Jason mentioned the the person asked you in the break room, are you okay? How are you doing essentially that, that check-in with you? Trisha, I'm, I know I do this all the time and I apologize for doing it again, but we do a lot of these podcasts, Jason, and I'm always struck by we hear some of the same stories in wildly different contexts. We just did a show, actually just posted 
uh, which was all about uh, helping folks who were formerly incarcerated get back into the workforce. And there's specific programs. There's, we had an author on who's written a book about this. He's very passionate about it. And there's a story in that book, and I told it on the podcast. I'll, I'll mention it to you, Jason, where one of these formerly incarcerated uh, folks had been got uh, hired by this company that had one of these programs to, to bring these folks back into the workplace. And, uh, you know, the person was struggling a little bit it, it, on the job, right? For it doesn't matter what, but they weren't. And the HR person came, uh, approached the, 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 the employee and, and before getting into, oh, you were late or you messed up this order or whatever the problem was, the, the, the HR person just uh, looked at the gentleman and said, hey, are you okay? Are you doing all right? Let's, let's have yeah. a talk. Let's go have a coffee. And the person responded that said, you know, that's the first time anybody's asked me if I was okay in like 25 years because no one's ever yeah. cared if I was okay, right? So that's a, just a really, really powerful thing to do both in, in the example that you gave Jason as well as the one we heard uh, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago too. It's really, really powerful stuff. I'm gonna have to remember that. I'm gonna have to ask somebody if they're okay. I'm not sure. It really is. Yeah. I, just, be, just be careful. I, you will get what you get, right? Yeah. So be ready for whatever you get because it's gonna come. And I, I you know, like I said, during my calls, I asked some, you know, I asked people, hey, are you doing all right? A couple of those calls, I'm like, wow, I wasn't expecting that, but hey, I'm glad you shared it. So let's, yeah. let's talk about how we make you better, right? And know that we got your back, you know, and and just hearing that, you know, and using your example too, you know, we, I, I've got several examples where we've had that too. It's like, you know, people are going through a lot and you don't know what they're bringing. You don't know what they're bringing to work. And that's what all about inclusion is making people feel comfortable about bringing them bringing them their full selves to work, you know, and that it's very powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think if, if you're a leader having that discussion and asking someone else, if they're okay, don't feel like you have to fix it. You're just mm -hmm. there to listen. If you have resources right. to help, you can certainly offer them, but don't feel like it has to lead to a fix Sometimes to Steve's point, it's just the ask. I would also say too, if you're listening to this and you're in a more junior role, ask your boss, ask another leader how they're doing. Because once you're the leader, you're not getting asked that question very often, if ever, right? Um, I Never think yet. even like, you know, I have kids that are, are 18, I have twins and once in a while, you know, I mean, things are happening, right? It's a pandemic. And if my daughter, for example, comes and asks me like, hey, mom, are you okay? Is everything all right? It just yeah. like touches my heart. I know she's not trying to fix everything, but just that someone cares. So I think it needs to work both ways. Encourage your more junior employees to ask a leader if they're doing okay and vice versa. And it's like your, your point, and, Jason, and it's more Jason's about the conversation. Point, yeah. And to Jason's point, hopefully leaders uh, will make themselves accessible and available to that conversation Absolutely. too, right? Go both ways. But it's very, very, it's a really, really important subject, I think, uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, this has been great, great stuff. I don't want, we could go on and on about this, but here's what I think we should do. I'd like to direct folks to, uh, to Don Foods, of course, right? And I think Jason, Luis, the one piece on leadership accessibility is on the Don Foods website. We'll, we'll link to that. I really, it's not super long. I encourage folks to read it. It covers a lot of the things uh, that you talked about as well. I imagine, uh, last thing, Jason, I imagine like, are you, is Don like uh, most other employers we've heard about in the last years? you know, trying to find people, keep people hiring, et cetera, et cetera. Have you run through those challenges as well? And if so, like, uh, how's that been? Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy ride. Uh, but the one thing I will say uh, that I love about it is that it's really, not that we didn't have an importance of people, uh, importance placed on people. 
it's at the forefront, you know, and that's one thing that I, I mean, I've been blessed to have great leadership um, that I, that I've worked with, you know, I have a great boss. I've got, we have a great environment that's very um, pro, pro people, pro HR, whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't like, like use those monikers. It's like, if you're not part of the, part of the, uh, if you're not at the table, then, you know, why you have the conversation? So I don't like to have those, that's not me, but at the same time, the one thing I love for this function, for, for this organization, for this, for this group in general, the HR function is that organizations really now know how important people are, right? I mean, you don't have them or you lose them in at a rapid rate, you know, you, you know that you're in trouble, right? But Dawn has done a great job, you know, really pivoting quickly. The one, the, the one beauty that we've got as an organization, we can pivot real fast. Uh, we can make adjustments on the fly, um, you know, whether it's wages, retention bonuses, attract, you know, attraction bonuses, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we've made a lot of great moves over the last couple, last several months, and we've really done a good job, um, you know, attracting and retaining people to our organization. Are we there where we want to be? No. Uh, but we're definitely beating all the industry averages, you know, drivers, you know, if you got any drivers out there that are listening, you know, Dawn is hiring and we are probably, we'll, we'll, we'll put the, we'll put the link to the career site on the page. I, yeah. encourage I anybody literally too. just wrote that down. I said, link I, to the careers page I'm right there. What, though, but I think it makes sense. Like I would tell folks who are considering, you know, applying for a job to listen to this show. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and understand that because you, you're hearing, a, you're really hearing both uh, directly and, and, and from, from the, the, the CPO here, like the commitment that the organization has to people and how they care about their people. Right. And, and I think, I think that sends a real good, a real strong message out there. I really do. Really yeah, in all honesty, it's like, if you want to get an idea about the culture of Dawn, go to your baker, go to your corner baker and talk to them about what they do. And what, what you're going to hear from them is that they're very passionate about what they do. Food is a, is an amazing, is an amazing thing because if you talk to whether it's a chef in a restaurant or a baker in a bakery, they are passionate about what they do. And the yeah. smells and the tastes and the textures, it hits all your senses. Um, and if, if you want to get a sense of what the Dawn culture is like, go to one of those corner bakeries and talk to them about what they do, because that's what what we are all about. You know, and again, we got our we got our issues and we, we work through them. But, you know, we've done a lot of great things to, you know, for our people over the last couple of years. And again, I'm very proud to work for an organization that is as open as we are to try new things, because we, we do try new things and we're very we're very creative and, um, you know, and we allow people to be who they are and come up with these great ideas. So. I love it. This has been great, great stuff. Uh, I think we'll, we'll let it go there. Uh, Jason Leoy, uh, Dawn Foods, chief people officer, formerly exit 135. Uh, we will put some links <laughs> in the show notes to some of your articles, as well as the Dawn career stuff. Uh, really, really enjoyed uh, uh, spending some time with you today. Thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Uh, Great stuff. We must thank, of course, our friends at Paychex for all their support. Make sure Absolutely. you check them out at Paychex.com. Uh, really, really good stuff, Trish. We're on a roll. Podcast is killing it. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. So uh, thanks so much again to Jason, uh, Fortress McFarland. My name's Steve Bowes. Thank you so much for listening. Please find all the show archives at hrhappyhour.net. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.